Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. <laughs> and, and real crazy eyes in a bright beanie from a man. Unhinge their jaw and let it all out. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Tell my face is insane. <laughs> you get weirder every fucking week. Yes. <laughs> Tell the listeners who your niece thought you were in a Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, I'll just show you the photo. Today is my, as we're recording this, not as it's released, is my brother-in-law's birthday. Happy and birthday, my, David. Happy birthday, David. And my sister, we all love the show Pen15. And my sister got David a really great birthday card that's like a hand drawing, not that she did, but like an artist rendering of the gals from Pen15 that says, happy birthday, fool. And it's so cute. And my sister texted me and goes, I have this card to give to David for his birthday. And Emily said, that's my younger niece. Who is this? Mommy and Auntie Amanda? And like, (laughs) I'm Maya with the bowl cut. (laughs) Apparently. Which is not your hairstyle now at all. Not at all. But my sister has long blonde hair. But I think it was just, I think the logic was the other one looks like my mama. My mommy (laughs) and Amanda, Auntie Amanda, used to have short hair. Right. And And like in all of my little school photos, I have one hair away from a bowl cut. (laughs) It's like real close. That line is very blurred. Yeah. She she quivering. She quivering. (laughs) So I was like, that tracks. I'll take it. Yeah, whatever. So kids, kids are the darndest that kids are so dumb. I had the only thing worse than a bowl cut growing up, and that is a homemade mullet. An actual mullet. And yeah. an eye patch. Yes. <laughs> an eye patch. Made more. There's nothing my mom could have done about the, the eye, eye patch, patch, so I don't blame her for the eye patch. Like she was just trying to be a good parent. Mm, but I had like, an eye patch too. I get I, it. It's yeah. a medical thing. Right. It's medical. But- the mullet. It's medical. This it's patch, medical. this patch. <laughs> it's medical. It's medical. All right. It's note. covered by my HSL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. Oh, God is good. God is good. <laughs> God <right>. is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So... Uh, have we done who we are? I'm Kenya. No. I had an eye patch. <laughs> I'm Lucy. I also had an eye patch. I'm Amanda. I didn't. So life is long. But yeah, I got time. It's early. These are busted. Who knows? <laughs> who knows who when knows? you'll go practice some archery or something? Yeah, I I knows when I'll do that. Never. I'll never do that. Archery's fun. It's pretty fun. I've done it once in Girl Scouts a million years ago before I got kicked out of Girl Scouts for allegedly calling someone else a fucker. <laughs> I don't I, I I didn't know, that. know that either. First of all, it happened I, in I Connecticut. I wish I had gotten kicked out of Girl Scouts. I was a, I was calling, a baddie. For calling someone a fucker. <laughs> either a fucker or a motherfucker, but I think it was just fucker. 
God bless. But in my defense, she was being a fucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I got a green slip in German class for hitting Scott because our German teacher was having us build the Berlin Wall. Jesus and I And I hit him for not not building it it fast enough. Oh, no. No, what half a the fucking class, weird assignment. Half if the class anything, was building that was it. the most German thing you could have done. I think much. I said Schnell and hit him. <laughs> oh my God. What on earth? And he probably laughed and then. The oh, German it was a joke. No, well, it was fourth grade, so he had a bad back. So he oh. went, ah. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. Apparently. And Frau Fairbrother gave me a goddamn green slip. Oh, she was the worst. She was not friendly. No. Girl, anyway, not what she was dealing with at home, but <laughs> who hurt you, Frau? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. None of this means anything to anyone. What, what podcast even fucking is this? <laughs> like... Frau's a fucker. <laughs> Frau is a fucker. Okay. Oh, my God. We have a very special fanfic this week brought to you by our fanficker, Frau, or maybe Hair, or neither or both. I don't know. Jace Shock. Shocker that I pronounced that right, but only because they sent a new uh, pronunciation, pronunciation guide. guide. I love a pronunciation Thank guide. Thank you, Jackie Shock. <laughs> It's Jackie. It's Jackie. <laughs> I think it might be Jackie. It looks like Jace. I don't know. Jacques. Jacques Frock. Frau Jacques Jacques. Frau. Shock Jock. She's a shock jock DJ. <laughs> Frau. Frau Jock Shock. The shock jock. Okay. Holy shit. We've lost our fucking minds. It's done. We're, wow, we're it's five over. minutes into this shit. <laughs> Holy I'm so sorry. shit. So, wow. shock, shock Jock has selected the topic of vineyard <laughs> villains. Oh, y'all. Which is exciting, but also a little bit tough because we had to find other cases because we've already done wine crimes mm-hmm. uh, as a crossover with And That's Why We Drink. I believe that was our March 2018 bonus episode. If mm-hmm. you're interested, you can always go in the way, way back machine. Yeah. That was a good app. I it like was that. A good app. Spoiler alert, I went astray. <laughs> you misunderstood <laughs> the assignment. Intentionally. That's fair. Well, That's okay. We'll get to her. I did Great. the fan pick and it's dark. Oh, I, it's been a minute, so I'm I ready know. for some darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. first, let's get lubricated. I've already been drinking red, whatever. Amanda, Same. what's our wine crime pairing for vineyard villains? Well, I wanted to pair something exclusive, exciting, and possibly a crime. <laughs> and this was a gift to me at Christmas from my beloved partner's father, Tom Hoban, who is a lawyer. Strawberry table wine. I wish. He's a lawyer in the Twin Cities area and for like a, he does like real estate law. And so the firm that he works for as a Christmas gift for their employees and their legal team every year gets them like, like personalized labeled, like a case of personalized. Like they just slap their label on some pre-existing wines. Yes. Amazing. So dumb. And I think it's so freaking funny. So he saved me one this year. So we are drinking bottled for the private seller of 
and selected especially for Tom Hoban Private <laughs> Reserve. Oh. <laughs> nice. This that is, is a, a crime. This is a California cab song. He didn't sell it to you. Oh, no, he gifted it to me. <laughs> Not to be sold individually. Oh, no, no, no. You can't find this anywhere. <laughs> except exclusive. maybe Except maybe for $2 at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing to sneer at. Trader no. Joe's has some damn good two-buck chuck. I love a good two-buck chuck, honestly. But I just thought this pairing, like... He, I promised him that I would pair this with an episode, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't listen to this show. <laughs> God, <laughs> golly gee! But I wasn't gonna pair it with like I don't know something fancy, s- sexual assault crimes or some like yeah. <laughs> super heinous episode. Well, horrible daughter-in-law crimes. Right, right. <laughs> not yet. Can't be a bad daughter-in-law if you're not a daughter-in-law. Yeah. There's the trick. Anyway, so the I'm real just crime. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> I I couldn't tell you the tasting notes of this cab saw before I opened it. Because I think when you take your first sip, you got to give us the yeah. tasting notes. I'll mm-hmm. give you a rundown, and in the meantime, I'm popping her open with my other exclusive limited edition wine and crime gals. God, they're so pretty. Iridescent wine key. I they love are. them so. I have three just around my house. I they're love gorgeous. them. Really look, pretty. Look at that shimmer. Look at that shimmer. Harnessed my clinical anxiety this week by putting together an emergency kit for our seller in case, like a go bag. Yeah, for the purge. For the purge. Well, more for tornadoes and the purge. (laughs) And and the twenty twenty four (laughs) election. My kit would not be great for the purge, but it, it it would be pretty good for tornadoes. Okay. But I am, I do need to add a bottle of wine and a wine opener to you my You have kit. so much wine. A bottle of wine. Like, I have like flashlights, bunch of rain bottles ponchos, of wine down there. tarps, blankets, candles. I think I need to add knives, knives some dog food, a hammer, an axe. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we pop? Yes, a water purifier. Yes. Yep. Oh, that was a very, like, bright, classic pop. Yeah. All right. We've got notes of wine on the nose. (laughs) I'm getting strong grape flavor. It's very deep red, very inky. Mm -hmm. All right, let me see. Oh, yeah, you could. she's a cab. You could tell. Look at those legs. Okay. Yep. You can see the body from here. She thick. All right, let's see. (laughs) Kind of oaky. Let's see. All right. That's good. Jammy, leathery. It's like a very classic California Cabernet. Can't can't possibly fuck this up. All right. Throw, job, throw Mr. A, Hoban. Throw a steak on the grill because Hoban's cooked. It's amazing that he has the time to be a lawyer and a vintner. And a vintner. Yep. Yeah. He's really <laughs> For just quite 12 a bottles a year. Quite <laughs> a man. It's an amazing effort. God bless him. To Tom. To Tom. <laughs> Who will never know I toasted him because he I've will met, I've never met you hear once. this. All right. He's a lovely man. I met him at your birthday. He's really fun. I liked mm-hmm. I like Mrs. Tom too. I don't remember her first name. Sue. Sue. Tam and Sue. A lawyer married Sue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I get it. So sue me. Oh, I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, my okay. God. 
You have the most degrees out of all of us. Okay, take it away. Wait, Bill and Sue actually is kind of incredible. Bill and Sue. And Bill's brother, Invoice. (laughs) Bill, Abel, and ours. The three boys. (laughs) All right. Lucy, what is our background? And maybe psych, because we all need it. For vineyard villains. <laughs> I mean, this is my daughter, Liability. <laughs> we call her La for short. Libel. <laughs> Libel. <laughs> kind of like the name Libel. Libel Sue. I could see somebody in like the mid 19th century being named Libel. Libel. Mm-hmm. Libel. Libel Joe. Prude Libel <laughs> Joe. Like Lib- Smith. Libel Fay. Okay. Libel Faye. <laughs> Why is Faye so solid as a middle name for it's, anything? I love the middle name Faye. It works every it time. It makes every name so much cuter. A thousand percent. You have to actually do it. Oh, oh it's yeah. happening. Oh, Fucking yeah. dibs. Okay. <laughs> no one else wants it, so you're good. I love no it. No dibs necessary. <laughs> okay. So a vineyard is a plantation of grape-bearing grape bearing vines grown mainly for winemaking, but also for raisins, table grapes, which are just like grapes, grapes. that you eat raw, mm-hmm. and non-alcoholic grape juice, among other things, but we'll Conquered. get to it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the Concord. <laughs> grapes. I made uh, out with someone behind a dumpster at the Concord bar in New Jersey at my sister's wedding. There. That's wow. It. That's, that. that's the story. Who was it? A groomsman? Uh, no. no, no. But his name was Matt, and he is now married and has a lovely child. He listens to the show, so he's probably listening to this now. Hey, Matt. Matt Cancun? <laughs> hey, Dumpster no. Matt. Don't hey, hey dumpster, dumpster Matt. He's in your phone as Dumpster Matt. <laughs> he's not in my phone as Dumpster <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Changing it now. Change it. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> dumpster Matt. Carmacks. Okay. So grapes belong to the genus genus vitus, which gives us the word viticulture, which refers to the science, practice, and study of vineyard and grape production. Grapes are native to the north temperate zone, but are now grown all over the world where the climate allows. So not like the Arctic. Siberia. Yeah. Grapes grow on a woody vine that can grow naturally up to... Oh, my God. I like how you're blocking his actual <laughs> well, Yeah, I'm not a monster. Dumpster Matt. <laughs> put, put as his business name, made out behind the dumpster. <laughs> I, I know who Dumpster Matt is, but I am going to put a little dumpster as his photo while you're I continuing. Like, I like having a note in the business name. It's like how I know this person. I need it's easier to search. Contact. Yeah. Finding okay. a cute little dumpster to be his picture. Okay, a cute little dumpster. Okay, <laughs> grapes grow on a woody vine that can grow naturally up to 56 feet long or more. So like nice. grapevines, uninhibited, are real big. In more arid regions, the vine forms more like a shrub, like a, like a vertical little shrub bush. Huh. Okay. Amazon has a product called Sparkle Grape Dumpsty de- Desktop Dumpster. Okay, oh, well, I like obviously that. you need that. Yeah. yeah, you need that. Okay, continue. I <laughs> promise I'm to almost done. What we're doing. <laughs> Back to our job. Back to life. 
Oh my God. I heard a song. <laughs> I heard a song at like the grocery store and I was like, what is this song? It's so good. I remember it from the 90s and I shazammed it and it was by Butthole Surfers. Yeah. And I just shouted, Butthole Surfers <laughs> in the grocery store. Yeah. I love They're it. They're like aisle six. They're also, a great band. <laughs> All suppositories are in aisle six. Where the but, woman screaming butthole. <laughs> Excellent band name. Okay. So you can eat the grape leaves, which are often found in like Mediterranean recipes. Mm-hmm. They're not my personal favorite thing. I find grape leaves really bitter and mm, but they, they're good they wrapped can't around cheese and well. soaked in oil it depends i've had i've i've had really good ones and i've had more often than not i've had really terrible like almost like soggy and bitter like you're saying ones. Mm-hmm. yeah maybe i've only yeah. had bad grape leaves but yeah. i don't love them so before the actual grape grows the vine produces little clusters of like greenish flowers so there are grape flowers Mm -hmm. the grape itself is a fruit specifically a berry and can range in color from almost black to purple red green and amber many varieties of grape have a powdery coating which is called a bloom didn't know that i didn't know that either love a powdery grape love a bloom orlando bloom love a bloom This is from Encyclopedia Britannica. The mature fruit of all domesticated grapes will ferment into a kind of wine when crushed, and most grapes can be dried or eaten fresh. However, it is the European wine grape, which is called Vitis vinifera, that is used to produce most standard or higher quality wines. There are at least 5,000 reported varieties of this grape, which differ from one another in such characteristics as color, size, and shape of the berry, juice composition, including flavor, ripening time, and disease resistance. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these, specifically wine grapes, are bred to resist different diseases, depending on, I'm sure, the area that they're in. Mm -hmm. They are grown under widely varying climatic conditions, and many different processes are applied in producing wines from them. All of these possible variations contribute to the vast variety of wines available. And as we know from all of Amanda's wine segments, there's a, a billion different varietals. So a fucking whole many. Bunch. It's, it's, oh, ah. yep. Okay. There <laughs> she goes. There she is. That's our girl. A whole. Bunch. Do you get it? <laughs> One more time for those in the back. A whole bunch. <laughs> You're great at puns. Thank oh, you. God, that's cute. So in contrast to the European wine grape, most North American grapes, such as the Concord Dumpster grape. The Concord. Regular Concord grape are grown for use as table grapes, grape jelly, grape flavoring, grape juice, and kosher wines. Mm -hmm. And here's a little bit about kosher wines from Wikipedia, because I wasn't sure what that meant. Listen. Unless unless you keep kosher, Mm -hmm. you can avoid. They're not out there for the flavor. No. Is what I'm gathering. No, no, no. (laughs) So to be considered no, no, no. kosher, Sabbath-observant Jews must supervise and sometimes handle the entire winemaking process 
from the time the grapes are crushed until the wine is bottled and any ingredients used, including finings, and finings are different ingredients or elements that they'll add to the wine to either break down different organic compounds or accentuate different flavors. Okay. So the finings are, as I understand it, the finings to a wine are like adding salt and pepper at the end of a recipe. Okay. okay. It just like kind of refines the aroma, the flavor, something like that. Okay. Yeah. The little extra shit. The little extra shit. The little the little fine tunings. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So any of that must be supervised by a Sabbath observant Jew, I guess. Rabbi. So that's what that's what mm-hmm. makes it kosher. Okay. Wine that is described as kosher for Passover must have been kept free from contact with Hametz. Hametz. So examples of that being grain, bread, and dough. So that's like the leavening, the leavened yeasty shit. Mm -hmm. The shit that you can't eat during Passover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that Manischewitz was a brand of kosher foods. I thought that was like the overall name for the wine that you drink Mm -hmm. during Passover. It's just the most popular. I think I probably thought that as well until I had to start cooking Passover and then when you go to the grocery store you see the Manischewitz mm-hmm. yeah like they make everything mm-hmm. yeah they make all sorts of shit yep so now you know Manischewitz is a brand name it's a proper noun but it's like somebody, Kleenex yeah but yep. if somebody's talking about Manischewitz if they just say Manischewitz they mean the kosher, kosher wine. wine yeah like, that's why I thought like it was like, that's why I thought it was like the varietal or like the type right. of wine So yeah, hope that clears it up for everyone out there. Of the many thousands of domesticated grape varieties, only three varieties account for most of the raisins of commerce. Hmm. 15 to 20 varieties are grown extensively as table grapes, and just a few varieties of grapes are used for canning. So they all have their specialties. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes sense, because obviously you have to select very much based on the flavor profile of that grape, what you're going to fucking use it for. Yeah, the sugar yeah. content. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I can't imagine a lot of grapes that are used for winemaking would be even, like, good to just eat raw or as a raisin. No. Like, in, in, in comparison <clears throat> to what we're used to getting at the grocery store. Right. Yep. So, I, from what I've read, my understanding is that the higher the glucose, the sugar content of a grape is... The, the better it is for winemaking yep, or fermenting. Yep, it produces way more alcohol, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the wine grape itself has existed for fucking ever. Quote, fossilized grape leaves, stem pieces, and seeds unearthed from neogene and paleogene deposits, which is about 2.58 to 66 million years ago. That's wild. I really have like... No, I know we've talked about this before on the show, but I just have like so little understanding of like no scope of like yeah human like the when, human like, existence. Were there dinosaurs? Were there <laughs> were the dinosaurs dead for a hundred million years already? Well, I'm at a that creationist, point? so I there have are no, no dinosaurs. <laughs> right, there so. was like a really long time between the dinosaurs and where we are now, where it was just like mm-hmm. a wasteland. Yeah, right. there was like nothing. Like, like don't fish look up. trying to grow legs. Right? Yeah. Good luck over it. <laughs> I mean, they Glow do. Up. Glow they, up. they literally did. Okay. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it took a while, but like chickens trying to fly and whatever. Pathetic. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> God, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> anyway, so none of us know. Okay, great. So like, okay, great. Fucking okay, millions of years ago in the Northern Hemisphere indicate the long existence and wide distribution of members of this genus of wine grapes. There is evidence of successful cultivation of wine grapes going back thousands of years. This is just the, the cultivate the purposeful cultivation to like 6000 BCE. So Amazing. we've been making wine for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense. We think when we did like the, there was an episode about beer and talking about like monks hundreds of thousands of years ago. It's like we couldn't drink the water. It's like mm-hmm. you had to ferment beverages to make them like safe to consume. It's like you yeah. see this mm-hmm. accidental science, a chemistry occurs, and then it's like, oh, wait, we can preserve liquid over a long period yeah. of time that tastes kind of fun. And has great side effects. Sign me up. And not only that, but we're like purposely picking the grapes and growing them very intentionally Mm -hmm. in certain places to Mm -hmm. make good wine. It's pretty Mm -hmm. fucking cool. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. Egyptian hieroglyphs dating back to 2400 BCE feature grapes and wine production. Obviously, the ancient Greeks loved their fucking wine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they nailed it. Gods devoted to it. Mm-hmm. Like several. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noah in the Bible had a vineyard. The Phoenicians carried the grape into France around about 600 BCE. So you're welcome, France. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Romans. The Phoenicians. Yes. <laughs> the Romans planted grapes in the Rhine Valley not later than the second century CE, AD. Our favorite boy, Pliny the Elder, described 91 different varieties of grapes and distinguished 50 kinds of wine and described vine training methods. So in the time of Pliny, like, they had a fucking handle on shit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they already were able to do a wine segment. Right. Oh, extensively. (laughs) And cheese. I've been listening to an audiobook about the history of sheep. And how sheep have affected civilizations. <laughs> and they talk about Pliny the Elder and how he like loved cheese and was like devoted a lot of his books to apparently wine and also different types of cheese. Pliny I spend a lot of time worrying about Kenyon. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Don't bother. I, She's I fine. Like what Don't I like. bother. <laughs> Don't bother. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't lose sleep over Kenyans. Don't lose sheep over Kenyans. obsession. <laughs> Don't lose sheep over it. Don't count. Just count your sheep. Go to sleep. Don't count your sheep before they hatch. Ew. <laughs> so these grapes also traveled through India to East Asia. And now we cultivate grapes anywhere in the world where the environment allows, like we said. So a word we frequently use when talking about vineyards and grapes they produce uh, and the grapes they produce in different regions is terroir, which I know Mm -hmm. we've talked about in various wine segments. Mm -hmm. So terroir loosely translates from French as a sense of place, the the place where you come from, kind Mm -hmm. of. Right, Kenyon? I see your eyes. Terre means earth. Mm -hmm. It can mean like the earth or it can mean like, like the soil. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always associate it with. Yeah. It's probably well, a combo like of both. Like the like soil place. where it's from. Yeah. Because well, obviously you can, in t- wine- you can talk about like your native soil. It means like 
your the place where you're from. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all kind of intertwined. And in right. winemaking specifically, the actual like geographical location is right. extremely important because of like weather patterns and soil makeup and all this yeah. shit. what I'm about to get to, my exactly. friend. So it all so, makes sense. The soil, atmosphere, weather, ecosystem, altitude, geomorphology, which is a new word. And so that refers to like mountains, valleys, bodies of water, like how the land like is like land Mm -hmm. characteristics all of that stuff and more of a specific location all contribute to the terroir and all of these things affect a crop's phenotype which in turn affects the tastes of that crop among other aspects of it other things besides grapes and wine that we talk about the terroir affecting include and i thought this was really interesting cider coffee cheese Kenyon's favorite, Pliny's favorite, tobacco, chocolate, chili peppers, hops, agave, so like Mm. in turn tequila, tequila, mezcal, tomatoes, heritage wheat, maple syrup, high Canada, tea, whiskey, vodka, rum, and cannabis. It's really, it really is cool how things that are derived from like things that grow in the ground. It that seems obvious to me, but with like cheese, it's so interesting because it's probably about what that dairy producing animal is eating mm-hmm. and what kind of water they're drinking. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's fucking amazing to me. Like the restaurant Harriet Brostery, where I worked for so many years, the owner and head chef of that restaurant like studied agricultural chemistry at the U of M, and that's like what got him into. I mean, he cooked growing up, but like that formed how he makes food because it's like, where is it grown? Where does it come from? Affects how it tastes. And mm-hmm. then how those flavors go together. It's just like so fucking cool. And I will literally never have the, the, like, the bandwidth in, in, in a bandwidth or like intelligence capacity to ever fucking pull that off. Yeah. Well, like, oh, not super, to that's sound why like I'm a... not a sommelier like yeah. ever. And not Fuck to sound it. like a corny hippie or whatever, but like, Truly, every single aspect, everything that goes into something else that that is a part of like everything it consumes, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So Circle even life, baby, we are what we eat, mm-hmm. which is bone chilling mm-hmm. Taco Bell. I am a chalupa. <laughs> oh my god, I had a chalupa for lunch. Yeah, you I did, have honey. zero regrets. I love what was it so the terroir much. of the <laughs> tiny cut up tomatoes on that? <laughs> Flavorless. Uh, they were utterly flavorless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're just little squares of texture. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. They're a vessel for hot and moisture. Fire sauce. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't think this counts as terroir, but I do know that different honey, you can buy like honey based on what type of flowers the bees mm-hmm. actually got their pollen from. Yeah. Mm. And it's like you can really tell in the yeah. flavor of the honey. It's wild. I mean, maybe on its own that doesn't count as terroir, but the terroir would affect that because what plants can grow where yeah. are I don't affected think by the terroir of a it. region. Yeah. I don't know that you'd refer to it as like terroir in terms of like honey, right. but but yeah. it, I mean I guess terroir is a spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's so yeah. much that goes into it. And like we were just saying, a- every single aspect of everything we consume or things that we don't even consume on a certain mm-hmm. level are just made up of the things that they're, you know, they come from. So 
This is why becoming a sommelier is so fucking hard. Oh, my oh God. My there's God, so I much knowledge. Imagine. They're like doctors because you literally have to be able to taste a, a wine and determine the terroir, not only the terroir and like the region, but the fucking year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People can know the year because they've just studied the weather patterns of those different regions yeah. like, so oh. thoroughly. 96 was a really wet year, so it's definitely in not a nice area. area. In this whatever. area, so which is known for this grape. So it would have produced this type of flavor profile for this specific grape, which I can taste and recognize in this wine. Like that blows my fucking mind, and I have no interest in even trying. No, so it's, it's sorcery. <laughs> it's, it yeah, is. A chemistry occurs. They can just read minds. A thousand percent. Okay, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but the documentary. About sideways the truffle hunters. Oh Mm. god, it's a documentary. It's so fucking good. And there's a whole scene about they're like sommeliers, but for truffles. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same. They're like smelling and and looking and like judging like where the truffles were grown. Yeah, they're like that came from this dirt in this place. And this is the flavor profile, and this is what the like weather was that year and how it affected the truffles from the pig. And yeah. the Nicolas Cage movie Pig, pig. he like eats some of the dirt to like figure out yeah. where the fuck his pig went or whatever. I know. That, that movie, movie is, so is good. I love. I it. hate that movie, but I you would. It loved was amazing. It. I like you watch the trailer and you're like, this looks fucking bizarre and stupid. But then you watch the movie and you're like, first of all, you need to shower. He is mm-hmm. filthy, start to finish the whole movie. That I was my biggest, it. my biggest qualm with it. I mean. Mm. I actually really liked the movie, though. Go watch Shuffle Hunters. (laughs) Okay. It's so good. So good. After you watch Pig. Well, let's wrap this up so I can go watch Truffle Hunters. (laughs) Um, So good. One other thing that I thought was really fascinating, terroir can also affect the wood used in barrel aging. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about whiskeys and brandies and barrel-aged things, Mm -hmm. the the terroir relates at least in part to the wood that is used to age it in. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Okay. Which Im- which imparts the flavor. Oh my god, it's bizarre and so cool. Hmm. So, like myself, wine grapes require seasons. <laughs> Long, dry, warm to hot summers with cool, wet winters are the best for them. Grapes have adapted to a wide range of soils, ranging from blow sands to clay loams. We've talked about loams before. Mm-hmm. High interest loams. Predatory loams. <laughs> Predatory loams. <laughs> Payday loams. Oh, no. It's so stupid. I love it. Payday loams. Sh- from shallow to very deep soils, from highly calcareous Soils to, and that means containing calcium, Mm -hmm. to non-calcareous soils and from very low to high fertility. So like all sorts, like grapes are very adaptable. non-calcareous and low fertility soil is what I'm learning about my body. I think I'm high calcareous because I do eat Tums on the reg. Yeah. Mm, I think I'm low calcareous and... Mm -hmm. Don't know about the fertility. I don't want to know. I'm just going to leave that part uncharted. (laughs) So we have talked a lot uh, before about wine appellation again in that crossover episode with And That's Why We Drink. But just as a reminder, and especially as it pertains to terroir, wines are supposed to be 
regulated by certain agencies. So this is a quote from Wikipedia because it really just sums it up. Terroir is the basis of the French wine appellation of d'origine contrôlée, right? Nailed it. Yeah. Your accent is very good in French. Gracias. Not as good as mine, but okay. (laughs) So the acronym is AOC, coincidentally. Ooh. (laughs) So that is their appellation system, which is a model for wine appellation and regulation in France and around the world. The AOC system presumes that the land from which the grapes are grown imparts a unique quality that is specific to that growing site or the plant's habitat. These systems have also developed into protected designation of origin across the European Union so that, for example, winemakers from outside a region like Tuscany cannot produce a Sangiovese wine. Sangiovese. Sangiovese Mm -hmm. and call it a Chianti. Mm -hmm. So there are rules about labeling something that it certainly is not because the terroir of these specific Grape varietals are so unique to specific regions. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of like couldn't be that wine. It's the that's the joke about champagne. Like if it's mm-hmm. outside of the champagne region, it's just sparkling. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Right, like, but it literally it, it's, is. A, it's an actual thing, and so people that, pay a premium for champagne, yep. and they went to get it. Champagne from that producers want to yeah. protect that. Right. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about appellation. It has a lot to do with terroir. Mm-hmm. Not the mountain range. Mm-mm. No. So while I was Googling around about vineyards, and this is my last segment because it's so fucking weird and random, I found something called vineyard deafness. Okay. And it's a phenomenon that originates on Martha's Vineyard, which is oh, a little- Oh, that's fun. We'll get to it. Okay. What? It's a little island off of what is it, Connecticut or nope, Massachusetts? Massachusetts. And I, t- I actually talk about this in my segment. Do you talk about vineyard deafness? I do. Oh, oh shit! Can <laughs> but, I continue? Yeah, go ahead. It's just it's a fun fact. Okay, it's a phenomenon that originates on Martha's Vineyard, where a disproportionate number of residents suffer from a rare hereditary form of deafness. Mm-hmm. In the 19th century, about one in every 155 residents had this deafness. And just to put that in a little bit of context, today, about 2.2 people out of every 1,000 are considered deaf. Mm-hmm. So it was a re- there was a lot of deaf people on Martha's Vineyard so in the 19th they, like, century. Were they fully deaf or yes. was it a type of... Okay, well, I think, I, I there's think probably were- a spectrum, but they're pretty much fully deaf. And some of it is like... I think from what I read, it's like a genetic deafness and there's so much. Yeah. So there's intermarriage on the island. Right. And then you're continuing to pass on. All the townies. Yep. So Mm -hmm. we'll actually get to it right now. So this is, again, from my lover, Encyclopedia Britannica. Vineyard deafness appeared as complete deafness at birth with no associated anomalies. So it was like a mysterious total deafness from birth. But, like, the ear and the inner ear is all formed in such a way that, like, it, it they couldn't no associated reason. It was just mm-hmm. genetic. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Interesting. It was, it was caused by a recessively inherited genetic mutation that was traced to Kent County in England. Emigrants from that region, some of whom came specifically from an area called the Weald, mm-hmm. W-E-A-L-D, Weald, Settled on Martha's Vineyard in the late 17th century, 
It is thought that a history of genetic relatedness among some parents combined with intermarriage on the island contributed to the spread of the genetic defect that caused vineyard deafness. Individuals with vineyard deafness used a highly developed sign language, probably mm-hmm. based on a language brought from Kent. Sign language was a necessary part of daily life for both the deaf and those who could hear. Many hearing islanders learned sign language in childhood and used it regularly throughout their lives to communicate with deaf individuals because there were so many of them. That's mm-hmm. so great. That's amazing. It's super cool. So there's like a specific sign language to Martha's Vineyard. That's, That's so like, cool. It's, it's not aligned with ASL. Yeah, it's like yeah. an entirely unique sign language that they created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And also, hearing people would sometimes communicate with one another using this this sign language. Mm-hmm. Well, because it also it became was so like pervasive. Code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone knew it. Mm-hmm. So, with no communication barrier, deaf individuals were fully integrated into island life, making livings as fishermen and farmers and participating in social, civic, and religious activities. There was no quote unquote deaf society, mm-hmm. no activities exclusive to the deaf. They were just fully integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. The number of deaf vineyarders began to decline in the late 19th century when increasing numbers of islanders began to marry individuals who were not from the island and who therefore did not carry the inherited trait. Mm -hmm. The last individual affected by vineyard deafness who used the island's unique sign language died in 1952. So it's it's a so-called dead language, this Mm -hmm. unique sign language. Oh, I mean, just I'm to, sure it can still be learned, but like, right. yeah, it's well, not. It's uh, yeah, they use records anymore. of it. Right, surely, right. But. It's just not in use. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a dead language. Isn't that crazy? It's so fucking. Wow, cool. I didn't know that. So bizarre. And now Martha's Vineyard has become like so hoity-toity fancy. Oh, pants. we'll get to it. Ooh, okay. Well, I hope Amanda didn't have this in here because my last thought, because I didn't know who the fuck Martha was. Oh, I, I def- do cover this. God damn it. Well, then You've I won't had say enough it. Time. <laughs> Senior okay. time. Okay. I'll let you say it then. Amanda will get to it, but I will say that I definitely thought it was Martha Stewart. I mean, basically, that's I definitely, spot on. Until I was like in college, just kind of assumed Martha's Vineyard was like where Martha Stewart lived. <laughs> mm-hmm. It tracks. <laughs> yeah. I also thought that like the Hamptons, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, they were all one place. It was just You're not like, that far off. They're all they're like close Nantucket to each and other. Martha's Vineyard are very close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like Cape Cod and all yeah. that. Yeah. They're all it's and all like a chain of islands along the similar. East Coast. Yeah. They're yeah. culturally the fucking same. Okay. So I'll <sighs> oh, leave my Jenny last Kane. thought to Amanda, but that Thank is you. my segment. Well done. <laughs> Blessed be the vineyard. <laughs> all right. Well, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors, MarthaStewartLiving.com. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Get her people on the phone. Mm. So being in your mid-30s, your skin's got a really bizarre hybrid of like teenage acne with Mm -hmm. like fine lines and wrinkles and Mm -hmm. oh, all of a sudden I have dark spots. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So once I started using Curology, it has changed the game. They really understand what it is to have 34-year-old skin. Yep. A lot better than I do and a lot better than a lot of the things that you just like pick up at Walgreens. Mm Mm-hmm. 
for real. So Curology is game-changing custom skincare made for you by a dermatology provider. They'll create a custom prescription cream for your specific goals, whether that's tackling acne, check, clogged pores, for me, not as much, skin texture, dark spots, fine lines, check. You start by taking a short online skin quiz and uploading photos, and if it's a good fit, they'll ship you your formula right to your door. It even has your name on the bottle. Like, this stuff is amazing. I have been using Curology for, oh my gosh, like what, two years now? At least. Yeah, and I struggle a lot with hormonal acne and very dry skin. So like, I was using products, especially face wash, that was making things worse. I didn't realize that like acne, you know, face wash products I was buying over the counter were drying out my skin, like- Very harsh. Harsh, messing with the oil balance in my skin, which is actually like necessary for avoiding acne. Like all these things that I just did not understand. And then working with Curology, they have really customized my skincare and it's really gotten amazing results that I've seen in the time that I've been using it. I cannot speak highly enough about Curology. Absolutely. So get started with Curology just like we did with a free 30-day trial at Curology.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. Just pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot com slash G-A-L-S to start your free 30-day trial. You can cancel anytime, prescription subject to consultation, and treat your skin. Treat it. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. We love HelloFresh so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Not only does it cut back on time spent in the kitchen because they have meals that are ready in about a half hour or less. Yeah. But they also have all those fresh pre-measured ingredients you don't need to like amanda said go to the store and buy way more of stuff that you don't need it's gonna go bad before you ever use it again mm-hmm. like an entire package of time what yep. no who has the time <laughs> sometimes you have too much time <laughs> yeah it's a weird problem to have but i just don't like feeling wasteful So I mentioned their meals that are ready in about a half hour. They have their quick and easy meals, and that includes 20-minute recipes and low prep and easy cleanup options. And so you can, it's just an even faster route to putting food Mm -hmm. on the table for you and your family or just you. I, I love cooking by myself. Me too. So last week I made the meatloaf balsamico. I know I've talked about this before, but it is my favorite HelloFresh recipe, especially in like the colder months. Yes. They're just sweet little mini meatloaves, sweet little baby mini meatloaves with uh, with really good green beans and then like a mashed sweet potato. Ugh, Everything... get out of here. No, I won't. Okay, it... don't. It's... <laughs> So freaking good. HelloFresh also has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can really feel good about because Mm. it's, you know, I love, I love cooking, especially like I said, by myself with a glass of wine. It tastes so good. And you can also just feel good about what you're putting in your bod. Mm-hmm. They got low calorie and carb conscious options. They've got vegetarian boxes. It's just the customization is endless. If you haven't tried HelloFresh, 
run, don't walk. Right. The the low carb, like the carb conscious stuff is so awesome as a diabetic. Like it seriously has been a game changer. And now I have to make that meatloaf tonight. So uh-huh. that's definitely wel- happening. You're welcome. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Gals16 and use code Gals16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Uh, it's like a miracle deal. So one more time, go to HelloFresh.com slash Gals16 and use code Gals16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts and Treat your cooking. Treat. Use that use that meal kit. It's America's number one. All right. So my case, mm-hmm. again, it's a fan pick. And the only people more fucked up and dark than us are the fans. Are, are the fans. Which are makes the fan sense. Pickers. Y'all are fucked. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't do trigger warnings because it's... A true crime show. It would be the length of the show, but I just want to say that this case is exceedingly dark. There's domestic violence. There's family annihilation. There's child abuse. This case has everything. It really does. It it ticks all the boxes. Great. Great. I'm going to put on more chapstick because I've been nervously biting my lamp. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so in 1989, 28-year-old Ramon Bajorquez Salcido was living in Sonoma County and working at the Grand Cru Winery. He was described by one source as a, quote, hard-drinking and hot-tempered vineyard worker. Oh. Those are traits. Yeah. He mainly drove a forklift and supervised the bottling operations at the winery's warehouse. So he's not like... Picking grapes. He's like working in in the warehouse. It's a very big operation. Mm-hmm. And Salcido was often horrifically physically abusive to his wife, 23-year-old Angela Richards Salcido, and their three young daughters, four-year-old Sophia, three-year-old Carmina, and one-year-old Teresa. So just a little bit of a background about his relationship with Angela. So she was white raised in the area by a very like a very catholic family they met at like a community dance and like a soccer game and he like was a classic abuser and like love bombed her bef- mm-hmm. when they were dating and like was very like sweet and sentimental and then they started dating and her parents her family like did not approve for both legitimate and also racist racist reasons, reasons. Mm-hmm. they didn't like him as a person and they also didn't like the fact that he was from mexico mm-hmm. And Angela helped him become a naturalized U.S. citizen. And, like, she had, like, a kind of fledgling modeling career and all this stuff. And then after they got married and had these three kids kind of back to back to back, they had a lot of, like, money problems. And he, you know, they were – they had money issues and then they had criminal issues related to having had money issues. Mm -hmm. And then he also became – incredibly abusive Mm -hmm. to the whole family. Then on April 14th of that year, 1989, Ramon spent a long night drinking and using cocaine. And he also probably like sold cocaine a little bit on the Mm -hmm. side and also like would steal wine from the vineyard and resell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's drinking. He's out all night. He's snorting, blow, whatever. He's at the McNeely's Bar and Tavern in El Verano, California. 
He then returns home to their rental house in the early morning hours, he probably drove drunk, and roused his three very young daughters from their beds. Again, we've got a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. He put them in the car and drove them still in their pajamas to a quarry near the Sonoma County dump, the stage gulch dump. Mm-hmm. Sounds like some Chris Watts shit. Yep. It's very Chris Watts-esque. Mm-hmm. If, if Chris Watts, I mean, the fact that he's like harming his very young daughters is very Chris Watts, but I don't think Chris Watts was like, well, like drive or like, he annihilated his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, t- like waking them up and putting them yeah. in the car and in, driving them in somewhere. pajamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. With their blankets. Ugh. Yeah. So there he cut their throats. Oh my a, God. With a knife and threw their bodies into a ditch. Jesus. Where Christ. was the, the woman? The, um, the mom. Angela. Um, it's believed that she was asleep when he took the girls. No oh, way. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. But we will we will get to it. Jesus. Fuck. Uh, yeah. So she was at home, but yeah, it's believed she was asleep. And like, he's their dad, so they're not going to like- They're not going to question it. Right. He's like, get in the car. They're like, okay. Yeah. So Sophia and Teresa died of their injuries, of having their throats literally slit. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. But miraculously, the middle girl, the middle child, three-year-old Carmina, did not. She survived. Wow. So decades later, she would speak of her recollections of that unimaginably traumatic night. She stated in an interview with ABC's 2020, quote, I remember actually him carrying me out of the house that morning. Probably about 15 minutes into driving, I lean up over the front seat and go, Papa, where are we going? Oh, little baby. He turned around. He was mad. He turned around and gave me such an evil look. And he's like, shut up and sit down. Jesus Christ. She also recalled that before her father slit her sister's throats, the air was filled with a, quote, dark energy and there's no crying. It was silent, like lambs led to a slaughter. Oh, oh that just gave my me chills. fucking god! Oh, yeah. Ugh. And they're so young. They're so little. Oh, and it's their dad. Yeah, they don't know. No, Ugh. it's uh, out of the fucking blue. Like what they're used to, which is traumatic in and of itself. But what they're used to is like a physically abusive home where like the parents are in a fight and Mm -hmm. dad hurts mom and you know they have to like hide from that chaos Mm -hmm. but this is a different ball game Mm -hmm. this is family annihilation but it's still always been like go along with what dad says because it's dangerous not to yeah probably yeah yeah Mm -hmm. So following this horrific attack on his children Salcido got back in his car and drove to the town of Cotati I don't know if I'm saying any of this right where his mother-in-law, Marion Louise Richards, so Angela's mom, lived with her daughters, Angela's much younger sisters. Here, he murdered his mother-in-law, Marion, as well as 12-year-old Ruth and 8-year-old Maria. Oh, my God. So he, like, God. really went on a rampage. It's not just his immediate family. Oh, Jesus. we're not done. Damn. Oh. Okay. He then drove back to his own home where he shot and killed Angela, who had, like I said, presumably been sleeping when her daughters were taken. That's his wife, right? Yeah, his wife. And she probably was now awake Mm because it's later in the morning and she's like, where are the girls? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? He probably had blood on him. He just killed 
A lot of five people. Five people, almost six. Oh, my fucking God. But then, even after murdering his wife, children, mother-in-law, and two sisters-in-law, Ramon Salcido did not stop. He drove to his workplace, the vineyard, and shot and killed a man named Tracy Tuvey, who was the wine master at Grand Cru and one of his bosses. So he was just like there, you yeah. know, in the morning at the beginning of the workday. And then, finally, he drove to the Kenwood house of another winery employee, another one of his supervisors, Ken Beauty, who he shot but luckily did not kill. So Ken also survived. And he would later be tried for attempted murder of Ken's wife as well, I think, because he maybe just, like, shot multiple times. in the house, yeah. Yeah, but the wife, I don't think, was hit. So those charges didn't stick, but... But so he dro- he drove to the winery mm-hmm. where he just knew he would be able to kill some people he worked with. But then he intentionally yep. drove to this guy's home. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have in my notes, like, I doubt he would have just known this fellow employee's home address off the top of his head. Right. It wasn't like they were friends. And so my guess is that he had to look up that info. Ugh. At the office, probably just after or just before murdering Tracy. That's fucking creepy. And oh, that's God. that's an assumption on my part. I didn't read that anywhere. But yeah, you're speculating, but yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Somehow this person was targeted. And Like in my past jobs that weren't with my two best friends, I didn't know my co-worker's home address. I don't know your addresses now. <laughs> Well, I, know I have yours. to look them up yeah. every time. I know yours, and Amanda's moved like six times in five years, and I still know I'm yours. I'm never going to remember that shit. <laughs> I'm safe. Okay. Amanda's literally been on the run, so. Yeah. In this context, I'm fine with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So he then fled and began heading south. I read different reports that he drove his own car or that he took a bus and then walked on foot and then possibly stole a car. I don't know which is true or which is not, but he was heading south. Yeah. He made his way south. Yeah. Mm. So from Sonoma Valley to Mexico. And again, he was originally from Sinaloa, Mm -hmm. Mexico, that area. And that is the general area where they would find him again. Is that so, in, like, northern Mexico? Yeah, it's in, like, northwestern-ish Mexico. Okay. So but still... Not hard to get to from California. Right. Well, it's a straight shot south, but it's still pretty far. It's, like, a where they found him, it was, like, a 24-hour drive. And yeah. what year was this? 1989. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you have to go through the border, but I have to imagine that in... It was different in the 80s than it is, say, under in the current climate. And he's especially getting into Mexico as right. opposed to getting into the U.S. Right. And exactly. he's Mexican. So, yeah. yeah. I believe that even as a naturalized U.S. citizen, he still had his Mexican citizenship. Right. Like dual so, citizenship. Yeah. So he was able to just walk across, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We've it's all the seen 80s. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. It was real easy to get back and forth from Mexico. Yeah. So because Ken... Beauty survived the shooting. His one of his bosses who survived, he was immediately identified mm-hmm. to police. Like, this is the guy who tried yeah. to kill me. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And Ken Don't wasn't aware of what had happened anywhere else that day, but they were able to kind of very quickly put that together. And so Salcido was the only suspect in the whole killing spree from the start. So that okay. really helped the investigation. 
and the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office launched a massive manhunt almost immediately. So then 36 hours after the killing spree, wow. Carmina was discovered. Three-year-old wow. who baby? had had... She the, survived out there that whole time? By the, yeah, by the quarry. Hours? 36 oh hours, her throat had been slit, and she's right. three, and she's, she's traumatized, and she's and alone. Wandering around. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And it's probably freezing at night. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, it's April baby. in Northern California. It's not mm. warm. No. <gasps> Yeah, we were in fucking San Francisco in the summer of 2019, and we had to, like, bundle up at night because mm -hmm. it got down to, like, 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. So she's barely alive. Some sources say that she was found by a quarry employee. Some say that she was found by a transient. I don't know which is true. I don't know. All I, I'm not a journalist. I just read different news reports and compile them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Either way, she was discovered in an open field about 20 feet from the road. So she had, like, walked and crawled. Yeah. Some distance from where the crime had taken place. Wow. To like Good for seek her. help. Yeah. Three. Three so years old. Yeah. And it was widely agreed that her survival was utterly miraculous. Yeah. The ER doctor who was on duty when she arrived at the hospital later stated, quote, when she arrived, there was no question that there was something about her character and grit that allowed her to survive. She shouldn't have survived the injuries that she had. Baby. It's believed that Carmina had inadvertently kept her head down, which then covered and applied pressure to her neck wound. Mm -hmm. So, like, the fact that she was doing this kind of right. instinctively mm -hmm. helped stop the bleeding. And then also he had somehow just missed her carotid artery just by sheer fucking luck. Right, Ugh. right. Ugh. So Salcido was arrested soon after the discovery of Carmina, and she also told an ER nurse. She either said, Papa cut me or Daddy cut me. Oh, poor it's just angel. horrible. So he was, he was discovered on April 19th in Guasave, Mexico, which is in the Sinaloa region. And like I said, about 800 miles from Sonoma or like a 24-hour drive. When... Questioned by police, he quickly admitted that he had carried out the murders and claimed that he had done so because he suspected that Angela had been having an affair. I knew Get it. I fucking fuck. knew it. Oh, my God. I classic, knew it. I knew he was going to fucking go there. Yeah. Classic abuser fucking control paranoia bullshit. control. I don't even think they believe it. Mm -mm. They just use it as a, an excuse and a justification. Right. Well, and I feel like a projection there's that, in a lot of cases too. A projection, and I feel like there's that moment where, like, you accuse your partner of this, and mm -hmm. then your partner reacts in this very, like, "Of course, I'm not doing that." Like, what are you nuts? Like, I would never. Yeah. And then that reaction, you know, releases some sort of endorphin, yeah. like serotonin rush, and you're yeah. getting a well, response. Well, and it controls their behavior because exactly. it limits who they can build relationships with even mm -hmm. platonic relationships because yeah, they, they don't want to prove right yeah i watched a whole dr phil episode about this recently and the guy who was accusing his wife of having an affair like 
like just sleeping with multiple men on a daily basis in their home. Mm -hmm. He like set up cameras. How exhausting. Right. Who has the fucking time? Because of UTI and I haven't been having a bunch of sex. Mm -hmm. Can't imagine. Who has time on his part to to do all this? But- the end, the gist was was exactly what you said. Like he gets off on her, mm-hmm. like defending herself, right? And on then her- it's just a it's a fucking cycle. Like part of him kind of believes that this is happening. It's a total delusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the but the core of that is he just wants to keep her under his thumb. Yeah, it's a control thing. He gets a rush out of confronting her and like watching her, like you said, convince him. That yeah. no, this isn't actually happening. Like there's some sort of sick. It's really thrill gross. in that. It's yep. nasty. Yep. Boy. A much more likely reason for his lashing out so violently and for like his physical abuse escalating into murder mm-hmm. was the fact that Angela was planning to leave him mm-hmm. from all the physical fucking abuse. Yeah, and that's always the most dangerous yeah. time for a yeah. victim. Right. So she'd reportedly told friends that she'd hoped to get an annulment. And remember, she's very, very devout Catholic. Mm -hmm. She was raised in a devout Catholic home. So like getting a divorce is a big deal. It's against her religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. But she found out that she might be able to get an annulment because she learned that Ramon had been married previously, which he had never fucking told her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that he likely failed to legalize that divorce. And that Mm -hmm. that marriage might have taken place in Mexico. I don't know. Um, so when she found this out, she was like, oh, snap. Like, I might be able to get an annulment. I have it out, yeah. Yeah. And he probably found out about those plans and fucking killed everyone. Fuck. Jesus. He also later told reporters that he was, quote, not really remorseful for well, yeah. his actions. Why would he be? He's a full psychopath. Oh, a monster. This yeah. guy is a fucking monster yeah and if you look at photos of him which are on the drive and they'll be on the blog he's like smiling in one of his prison photos he's like kind of smirking in one of these courtroom photos he's smirking in all of them yeah he's a psychopath and he just has like dead robert durst shark eyes Mm -mm. like there's something about those eyes no acknowledgement uh, acknowledgement there's no remorse yeah. It's icky, 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 icky. Mm-hmm. So the lead detective on the case, a man named Mike Brown, who had spent uh, 16 years conducting violent crime investigations for the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department, told the press that Salcido's murders were, quote, the most senseless slaughter of human beings to which he had ever been exposed. Oh, God. Because remember, if we count... Carmina, who survived, but, I mean, he really tried to kill her. Yeah, he thought she was dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five of his victims were children, mm-hmm. and six were women. Yep. Oh, God, it's disgusting. No, seven were women. Uh-huh. And then two men. Yeah. Yeah. Helpless, just like the the people, I mean, yeah. no. Your so, own children. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Salcido's trial began in the fall of 1990. His defense attorney sought to downgrade the charges to manslaughter, contending that he was not entirely responsible for his actions because he was under the influence of alcohol and cocaine. LOL, which had, okay, I've been there and I did not slaughter a bunch of people. Yeah, 
Also, he was always under the influence of alcohol and right. cocaine because of his own fucking choices to be under the influence of alcohol and cocaine. Mm-hmm. Right. Which had put him into a state of, quote, psychotic depression. Salcido also took the stand in his own defense, never a good idea, <laughs> describing how, quote, his marriage was. Why do lawyers let people do that? Well, I think they're you not allowed f- to say no. Like, they yeah, can, you can't they can force be them. Like, they can really, advise. Really, not. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. They can't tell them that they they can't force and narcissists them not to do it. Always think that they're gonna persuade people yep. to be Once on you their can side. Hear my side of the story. True, that's true. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like. I don't, I, I see why they think that because so much of the foundation of their like ability to continue is, moving through the world abusing. Is manipulating the people around them. Exactly. Is manipulating mm-hmm. the people around them and especially like the friends and loved ones of their abusers so that no, are of their a victim so that no one will fucking believe the victim yeah. when they say. They've well, had they a great track record. Right. They themselves don't believe they've done anything wrong. Yeah. Well, They've got no. Yeah. Well, like a psychopath, mm-hmm. no guilt. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not even a factor. Mm-hmm. Right. So he Ugh. took the stand in his own defense, describing how, quote, his marriage was unraveling. He owed money and he was about to be fired. Wow. Probably, wow, because, wow. probably because they had found out about him stealing the wine. And like they were given free wine every month for personal use. Yeah. You don't even really he, like, need to steal it. No, it just was, it was just for money. Isn't Grand Cru pretty expensive wine? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but sure. I think it is. Sounds it's it like, is. So he and it's Angela sure. had argued when he was served with child support documents from the previous wife who she didn't know existed. And he was angry having learned that his oldest daughter was not his biological child. And quote, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm not going to fucking take his fucking word for it. Right. So he claimed that the oldest girl wasn't his, but like, there's no fucking way because also the oldest was born like four or five months after he and Angela got married and she had like fought with her family so hard to be able to marry him and it had but worked remember, so hard. But remember, she was cheating on him. Right. Mm. <laughs> He's just a fucking douchebag. So on October 30th, 1990, a jury found Ramon Salcido guilty of six counts of first degree murder, one count of second degree murder and two counts of attempted murder. He was sentenced to death. We're not going to get into California death penalty stuff, but like back then, it was still that was still practice that there hasn't been an execution in California in In a long time. In a long, long time, you can still be sentenced to death in California. You can think up until 2019, maybe I don't know. So as for his one surviving daughter, sadly, this was only the beginning of an. Maybe not an increasingly difficult, but an ongoing difficult childhood. So Carmina, remember, she's three. She mm-hmm. had received an outpouring of sympathy and support from Sonoma County residents and like offers to adopt her. Mm-hmm. But with no surviving relatives to care for her, except for like Ramon's mother in Mexico, who she had never met. Right. Carmina ended up being adopted out of state by an ultra conservative Catholic family in Missouri. Mm-hmm. They changed her name from Carmina to Cecilia. Yep, so they're just trying to erase her culture. That's cool. Yep. Oh, oh, it gets so much worse. But, like, that's not great, but it gets worse. Mm -hmm. Believing that she needed a, quote, rebirth after all that had happened to her. Carmina would later describe her childhood with her adoptive family as, like, living in a, quote, 19th century cultural time warp. Ooh. 
Kenyon would love that, though. Uh, not the religious element. Yeah, or the 14th century time warp, though, or the corporal punishment. I want to pick and choose. I want to mm-hmm. renfest it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Renfest it. Yeah. I cherry I pick my time warp. Yeah. Oh, I cherry pick what I like from history and what I don't. <laughs> so her new parents were extremely controlling and abusive in their own ways. And they limited her contact with the outside world. She was, like, incredibly sheltered. If she said something that they disliked, they would put Tabasco sauce on her tongue. Oh. Or wash her mouth out with soap. Like, pick a better hot sauce, first of all. Yeah. Right? That's fucking abuse. <laughs> they never spoke to her about her past or, yeah. like, let her know They're fucking she colonizing was. this girl's childhood. Yeah. They just want to erase it. But when she was 15, she discovered a box hidden in the house that contained oh newspaper clippings describing no. her father's crimes. And she, like, That's figured it out. That's how she fucking out. found out? Yes. Wouldn't she have a scar? And, like, she maybe she did, and they just didn't explain Yeah, I mean, it. she was three, and your brain, in a response to trauma, can literally, like, Make black you out forget. events I on know, its own. I don't doubt that she didn't remember it happening. They probably just but... told her that she had a surgery or some shit. I mean, I'm speculating. Yeah. But, like, it probably God. wouldn't be that hard to, to, Make to trick up. We lie a three-year-old to kids all, all the, the time. time. I do it every day. Santa I do it every gave day. you that. It's yeah. my oh. favorite hobby, but <laughs> in this case. Yeah. <laughs> right. So she literally found a fucking box with newspaper clippings. Can you even imagine? That's also, how horrific. has this not been a movie? Yeah. When she confronted her adoptive parents about this, they told her that they believe that because of who her father was, she had demon blood inside of her. And it that was like sense. their mission to like purge her of. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. an exorcism. This oh. is gross. It's like Carrie. Oh, we'll get to it. No, they oh. fucking didn't. After oh her my discoveries, God, this poor girl. I know. Oh After my her God. discoveries about her past, they even began planning to have a priest conduct an exorcism on her. Oh. Carmina later wrote that quote, well, it never came to that. So she didn't, it didn't actually happen, but like Nobody they were planning it. was hanging over her fucking head yes. for years in her as a kid. Yes. Yep. Oh, I hate it so much. Yep. Oh, God. Okay, more wine. Finishing the quote. Well, it never came to that. The woman who had become my mother began waking me up in the morning by throwing, quote, holy water in my face. Okay, well, fuck off. The ma- the parents, this, these fucking Missouri parents are just. She was handed from one abuser to another. Mm-hmm. How do you have that much happened. holy water just lying around? <laughs> they probably... Had or it, either it was just fucking plain water. A blessed tap. I mean, it's it's plain water regardless. That's been blessed. <laughs> or they're like, you know, they go to church all the goddamn time and the priest was willing to do an exorcism. And so they probably were like, hey, can you bless this half gallon? Right. right. Whatever. This yeah. milk jug. Come out to my truck. I have a bunch of <laughs> plastic yeah. jugs I need You're you to bless. Blessed. <laughs> God. If you just bless the soda stream yep. canister, does that then mean that you any, yeah. all the water is blessed? Okay. I think, I think it does. if you bless, yeah, the, the canister with the like vessel. the CO2 or whatever, right. then blast holy bubbles into the water. I think so, too. Maybe that's bless a good workaround. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
desperate to escape this situation and not having many options. It's not like they're going to pay for her to go to college or Fuck like, no. you know, she's raised in an abusive home and they think she has demon blood and she yeah, like needs to get the fuck out up. of there. Oh, she's fucked up. So at the age of 17, she joined a convent in Nebraska to get oh, away God. from her adoptive parents. I mean, I get it. Like, what the fuck are your options? Right. It's probably way just, better than that yeah. house. You're just yeah. doing anything you possibly can. Yep. To so escape. She, so she became a cloistered nun at Sister Miriam of Jesus Crucified. And I did look it up, and it does still exist as a convent. And the logo is on the drive. Listen, if she found some kind of safety oh, she didn't. solace, We're getting and, to it. okay, well then I guess I'll <laughs> just. Oh, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. Great. I like the flaming sword on their mm-hmm. emblem. Yeah. So after less than a year, she left the convent, and basically, I think she probably turned eighteen mm-hmm. and realized, like, okay, this stepping stone, I can get away from it, and. I'm not under their control anymore and whatever. So she got out of the convent. She spent a stretch of time at a ranch for, quote, troubled teenage girls in Idaho. Ooh, Mm. that sounds a little shady, but okay. She's troubled. Finally, in her mid-20s, Carmina felt compelled to return to Sonoma County and confront her past. She published a memoir titled Not Lost Forever, My Story of Survival. Oh, And decided... And decided that she felt ready to confront her father, who was still on death row. Right. Hey, that's how it goes. Yeah. So she arranged a meeting with him at San Quentin Prison in February of 2006. She later described how, quote, I went there with a very, 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 very positive attitude with high hopes. But he came in like a joker, like a clown. He came smiling in. You know, I thought it would be at least walk up and be serious and just start crying when he saw me, but no emotion. (gasps) He looked me right in the eye the second he saw me, like he had the right to call me his daughter, like this was some big happy reunion. It's not a big happy reunion. It isn't. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. fucking demon. Oh, that's he's a fucking narcissist. That's so scary. No, no, no. He just mm-hmm. was like, yay, I get a visitor. It's all about me. I can't be that bad. She came back to see me. She loves me. It's me, 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 me. Like, Ugh. forgetting the fact that he murdered everyone In, she, loved she loved and tried yeah. to kill her, too. He doesn't Ugh. care. So Carmina also described how Ramon told her that he had seen pictures of her on MySpace and, quote, had friends outside of prison looking out for her. Uh-oh. Um, no, no, which uh-uh. she interpreted as, as like intimidation or just like whatever. I think it's probably just a fucking lie yeah. because California state law forbids death row inmates from having access to the Internet. Yeah, it's possible that he had friends who were doing this of their own accord and like bringing him printouts I guess. But I it's all- also more likely that he just fucking said it. He's just full of shit. Yeah. He's full of shit. And I could see someone this fucking narcissistic and disgusting. Be like, I always have eyes on you. Exa- mm-hmm. Not even like in necessarily to him a menacing way, but yeah. almost him being like, see, I've never stopped 
yeah. looking out for you. And I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. Like, you know, just this really kind of gross. Yeah. Even though I'm in here, I've always, I'm always thinking of you. And I, I, I just, none yeah. of it's good. No. First of all, I doubt he has a lot of friends who still visit him. I doubt right. he has a lot that of friends. Theory, Fuck I that think guy. it's fucking up to me. bullshit. I think, I think heard what MySpace was and was yeah. like, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. I think that there wasn't even a lot of thought behind it. He's a yeah, narcissistic yeah. psychopath. He probably yeah. just said it, thought nothing of it. Like he thinks nothing of anything else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nothing holds any weight. He doesn't think anything through. Right. Yep. He just yep. fucking right. said it. It's fu- it's nothing. I You're agree. Right. I agree. He remains on death row and in San Quentin to this day. Carmina still lives in Sonoma County, at least last I read, and makes frequent visits to the cemetery where the rest of her family is buried. Where her family is buried. God. She has stated that, quote, I'm very open with who I am and what my story is and what my history is. I don't know if I will always stay in Sonoma, but I know I'll definitely always have a place here. Mm -hmm. But we know that the cycle of violence and abuse can be very hard to break. And this individual has only ever experienced violence and abuse Mm -hmm. through her entire life. So she does still struggle to find stability. So last I read, she had a daughter named Sophia Angela. Oh, baby. Named after her sister and her mother. Oh. Sophia is spelled with a Z and she goes by Zoe. And the child was removed from Carmina's custody in 2013 after child protection officials cited evidence that the girl's safety was in jeopardy due to, like, quote, drug use, poor judgment, and chronic domestic violence. And so Carmina is no longer with the father of the girl. They had, like, shared custody, but then also she was kind of in and out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. So... She does have some limited visitation rights. She is fighting to regain custody, but it's fucking hard, you know? Yeah. And she, all she's experienced is abuse on different levels and from different from everyone in her life. Mm-hmm. That's so really that's tough. The ca- that's my case. Thanks, fucking fan picker. Wow. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> or Good Jace. God. <laughs> you know. it's- well... As we say on the show frequently, your mental health is important and mental illness isn't your fault, fault but it, it is, is your responsibility. responsibility. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't I there's no there's no easy conclusion to this. It's all horrible top to bottom. Yep. Yep. And so, religion doesn't make child abuse okay. No. Oh, fuck, fuck no. No. Yep. No, no, no. I'm coping there. by ordering Taco Bell. I love it. Get Lucy, it. Lucy did it today, and it inspired me. I'm I ordered what for dinner. Twenty-five dollars worth of Taco Bell earlier. Well, that's like three chalupas because it's expensive. Now. It's actually two chalupas, <laughs> a Crunchwrap Supreme, yeah. a regular hard shell beef taco, a side of potato ole or not potato olays. What are they called? Fiesta potatoes mm-hmm. and a large pink lemonade. Ooh, Girl, I forgot to get, get hot it. sauces. How much of that is left over? Because you eat. I very have one small chalupa amounts. and one <laughs> Crunchwrap Supreme, and the rest of my potatoes in the fridge. There she is. There's our girl. <laughs> there, there's our girl. All right. Well, should we take a break so I can contact my delivery driver about grabbing me sauce packets and then get yeah. to my case? Yeah. The Diablo honey. Great. <laughs> 
It's the new year. It's 2022, people. Uh, Like many of you, I have goals for myself. Most of them are health goals. And one of those health goals is to just maintain my hydration. I am Mm -hmm. always thirsty. I'm always drinking water. I just, I really enjoy being hydrated. And if like drinking just plain water Mm. isn't quite doing it for you. Won't do it. Then I would suggest that you give my favorite hydration product a try. And that is Liquid IV. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than just plain water alone. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, lemon lime, that's my favorite, strawberry, pina colada, and more. I love Liquid IV. Uh, I attended an event last summer that (laughs) included some activities that can hydrate you, or uh, dehydrate you, I should say. (laughs) And we stocked up on Liquid IV to keep just everybody, like, moving through the weekend and feeling good and feeling hydrated. And, oh, my gosh, it was game changing. And like Lucy mentioned, the like goal to be more hydrated. This is a goal I have every single year. This is a goal I almost always fail to reach. (laughs) And I don't like stocking up on sports drinks and things that like take up room in your fridge, take up room in your house. But these very easy to travel with packets You just can fill your water bottle and then you pop one of these in there and you're not like buying a bunch of bottles of water. You're not, you know, going through 50 cans of sparkling water a day. Like this has just been such a simple way for me to get the most out of my hydration. And one of the things that makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology. So let me talk to you about CTT. It's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into the bloodstream. So, like Lucy said, one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. And if you're like me and you have a hard time drinking, like, what is it, like 50 gallons a day that's recommended by doctors? More. I can't. I can't keep up with it. But this helps you just get the absolute most out of the water that you're drinking. And... Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. This is one of my favorite things. They have donated over 19 million servings globally. So you can feel good about what you're supporting here by working with Liquid IV. Love it. So grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WINECRIME at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code WINECRIME at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code WINECRIME, and treat your hydration. Treat it. Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamins and powders, my personal favorite, conveniently to your door every month. So you take a short in-depth quiz. We love a good quiz all about your health goals and your lifestyle and get personally tailored recommendations based on your answers. You can stick with what Care Of recommends or change up your pack at any time. It's super flexible and Care Of's products are made from good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by the latest science and research so you can feel good about what's going on in your body. And you know, I never know what vitamins are, like what is B12? Right. I have no idea. 
But Care-of's website, first of all, is gorgeous. And their mm-hmm. super easy quiz really helps to uh, kind of narrow down what your health goals are. And then it suggests exactly what kind of vitamins to take. And then it breaks down exactly what each of those vitamins is and what mm-hmm. it does. So yep. it's very educational. And it is also extremely handy because Care-of's vitamins come in these little daily packs. They have a cute little inspirational quote on the outside. So it's like almost like a fortune cookie every time I pull one out of the little box. Mm-hmm. And they're also really, really easy to travel with. So you just pop one in your bag. Even if you're just going to work or going to the gym or whatever, you're just going to take it to go get your morning coffee, whatever it might be. Throw it in your bag. You don't even have to think about it. It's, they just set it all up for you. It's extremely easy. Yes. So get on our level. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code GALS50. That's 50% off your first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and enter code GALS50. And treat your bod. Treat it. Hybrid work, like working from home and maybe occasionally going into the office. This is the norm. This is like the new way. I love you know? it. I love it too, but it can also be complicated. Like you got to set yourself up for success. And the strongest teams have two things in common, speed and alignment. And both come from having one hub where everyone can share work and processes and like manage projects, collaborate with clarity, stay on track, have accountability. And Notion is taking care of that for you. Not all collaboration tools are created equal, people. Some help you organize your company's information. Others allow you to manage projects together. Notion does both. It is one tool for your whole team to do it all. So beautifully designed and everyone will just be itching to use it. Oh, yeah. It's really pretty. So mm-hmm. for companies of all sizes, Notion provides one central and customizable workplace that can be tailored to fit any team and bring all teams together to get more done and to move faster. Notion is an all-in-one team collaboration tool that combines note-taking, document sharing, wikis, project management, and so much more into one space that is simple, powerful, and like we said, just so dang beautiful. Mm-hmm. With powerful integrations and seamless navigation, you'll have everything you need in one spot so you can make speed your advantage without the silos and context switching that just slow companies down. I used to work for a big corporation, and I can tell you in that kind of environment, if you're not all on the same page or you mm-hmm. have or you have software like this, it just doesn't quite do it. It's mm-hmm. so much more frustrating than just not having those implemented in the first place. Right. Or like none at all that's cohesive. Like you use one program for one thing and mm-hmm. one program for another thing. It's Stuff is gonna get dropped. Like the ball is gonna fall, baby. Yeah. There are lots of cracks for things to slip through. Mm-hmm. So plus, Notion has a worldwide network of millions of users creating templates, tutorials, and new inspiration. The product is getting better all the time, and so you'll always have the support that you'll need. Find out how Notion may be the missing piece your team needs to grow to get more done and delight everyone who uses it in the process. Yes, learn more and get started for free at Notion.so. You can check it out on your own and invite as many folks as you want to see how it works. Take the first step toward an organized, happy team today, again, at Notion.so. And treat your work from home. Treat it. Are you ready for my case? (laughs) Maybe. 
<laughs> so as you may have interpreted, I intentionally misunderstood the assignment to broaden my case selection pool. Mostly because the stuff I kept finding was stuff we'd already covered in the end. That's why we drink crossover. And I can only talk so much about cheap wine wearing expensive labels before my ADHD has me going down a TikTok rabbit hole instead yeah. of writing. So <laughs> we also covered a bunch in that episode. We really did. Mm-hmm. So I well, wanted it was to, a two parter. It was. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to explore a different vineyard today. Martha's Vineyard. Oh, ever heard of it. Ever and a passable <laughs> villain therein. Oh, Martha. Martha. Martha's Vineyard is a quaint, I have been drinking, and wealthy island off the coast of Massachusetts, just south of Cape Cod. Mm. It has been a favorite spot for the wealthy elite to vacation, shop, and sail. And if you've ever seen a belt with little cartoon whales all over it, then you know exactly the demographic I am talking about. Men wearing pastels. (laughs) Women only wearing neutrals. Yeah. Quick anecdote (laughs) With a navy or beige stripe. Yeah. So I, so what's it called? Vineyard Vines, Mm -hmm. right? Uh I had never heard of that before. Yeah. So when I went to Charleston with my mom and my sister a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. I bought I, and I was going to secretly visit Kenyon on my way home. Mm-hmm. So I bought this weird little like puka, sh- like gold puka shell <laughs> bracelet from this place. It's cute. And then I got her the same one because they were on sale. Because <laughs> you share Cause a buy soul. one, get one free. Because I knew she'd like it. I do like Because it. I liked it. I thought mm-hmm. about this bracelet earlier today. Yes, I know. We are the same. So did I. I know. So it came, <laughs> she put it in this little suede bag that had like vi- vineyard vines on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. For all I knew, it was a boutique. I didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know it was a brand. And I gave it to her and she was like, you got this at Vineyard Vines? I was like, yes, you bougie bitch. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> she until- like laugh- She like mocked me for it. I mean, it's worth mocking you for because you were a literal sailing instructor in uh, instructor in Minnetonka. In Minnesota. Didn't- yeah, but it was popular at our high school. I I see it now the whale belts and whatever but right. we don't have those stores here it was like uh, our, our our sailing school was very helly hansen helly abercrombie hansen. very midwest that's helly fair. hansen was the status brand at, at our sailing yeah it was establishment. not vineyard vines mm-hmm. and i did have a boyfriend buy me a helly hansen rain jacket it's fine right. i had a boyfriend buy me you guys um, you guys those sunglasses <laughs> you guys Okay. I'm shutting this down. Fine. <laughs> this case takes I place. I am shutting this down. <laughs> I have so you many guys, more anecdotes about you vineyard guys? vines. No. Let's do vineyard vine crimes. <laughs> this case takes place long before <laughs> vineyard vines was established as a fashion line. So let's go back to November of 1937. <laughs> 22 years after Helen was born, I will never stop using her as a timeline icon. She's a cornerstone at this point. She is. She is my lunar and solar calendar. She's the birth of Jesus. She's the farmer's almanac. Yeah, she's my farmer's almanac. I'm going to start using years B-H and (laughs) A-H. At about 1.30 a.m., I'm totally doing it. Fucking... 
1937 AH, 22 AH. <laughs> At about 1.30 a.m. on a foggy vineyard Sunday, 28-year-old Manuel Phillips went for a walk on the beach. It may sound odd that he take a walk in the dead of night, but his walk held a specific mission to pick up scallops during low oh. tide right after a storm had come through the coast that would have kicked the scallops up to shore. So he really Love is a scallops. creep. Yeah. They're delicious. Yeah, there's a he's purpose. Just, he's just hungry for that high-quality seafood. Blackened sa- scallops over oh. some linguine. Hi. A little chimichurri sauce, too. Yum. Oh, fuck me up. Yeah. <laughs> so on his walk, he discovered more than a scallop, however. Mm. He found the nearly nude body of an adult woman <laughs> laying in the surf. Jesus Christ. Okay. Keep up. If that you, segue is ridiculous. Real, real question. If you are a Hot person. scallops. If you're a person of color, I'm assuming from the name Manuel, and you're in the middle of the night alone walking on a beach and you find the dead body of a woman. What do you do? do yeah. Do you? I mean, it, you're putting yourself at very great risk reporting it. I it depends on whether you have an alibi of where you were five minutes ago. Or I not. wouldn't blame any person of color for any reason not wanting to contact the authorities right. ever. Yeah. Right. He, you know, he, he he did. He did call the police and by some fucking miracle was not implicated in any yeah. of this. He, so he finds her body. She appeared battered and in shocking disarray. Quote, when I saw it was a body, Manuel said, I began running to tell the police. All she had on was a stocking on one, on the left leg and a pink girdle. Sounds like my grandmother. Yeah. She had very black hair, but some of it was worn out, probably by the tide and sand. So that only tufts were left. It gave me quite a scare. Oh, my God. God. I know this poor guy. Jesus. (laughs) Both of her arms were above her head, he said, and she was covered with bruises. It was clear her body had been in the water for several days. Mm -hmm. Investigators collected her remains and surveyed the area for evidence. The woman was a Jane Doe, appeared to be in her 40s or like late 30s, and must have come from some wealth because she had expensive gold dental work. There wasn't much evidence found on the beach, just a single suede, like blue suede pump heel. Hi, honey. Mm-hmm. That matched Jane Doe's foot size. Medical. But she ex- was in the, but like presumably she like washed up or she was on the yes. beach for that long. She washed up. But okay. if she if she went in clothed, then some of some clothing Maybe items may have washed up had as well. Clung until the very right. end. Exactly. Yeah, it's just. Oh yeah. Okay. Until the end. Okay. Yep. So medical examiners found evidence of assault with a blunt object, possibly, as well as a bruise and small hole over over her right eye, which they also suspected might possibly be a bullet hole. It's the fucking 30s. They're like, I don't know. It could be this. But it also could have been caused after her death from being tossed around in the rough water. Because remember, there was a storm just like a couple days ago. Yeah. Ah. And there's rocks. And And there's creatures. Yeah. Snacking. Yep. Yeah. So it really couldn't be determined. During the autopsy, no water was found in her lungs, suggesting that she was dead before she entered the water. It looked like from the autopsy that the majority of her external injuries were were judged to have been caused after her death. So, like, there's a window where you can still kind of, bruise like, bruise. And, yeah. yeah, you don't really bleed, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The autopsy left police uncertain as to whether her cause of death was murder or suicide or accidental, 
but the police theory was murder. Without additional leads on her identity, police began to seek input from the public who pointed to missing socialite Alice McDonald Parsons. Alice was 38 years old and a well-known New York socialite. She had disappeared from the 11-acre estate that she resided in on Long Island with her Mm. husband, William Parsons. Long Island. Who came from wealth and had dreams of being a gentleman farmer, which I guess is like a (laughs) fancy hobby farm. Weird. (laughs) I want to be a gentleman farmer. I know, right? (laughs) When Alice disappeared, a note was found on the front seat of her car addressed to William. The note demanded a $25,000 ransom, and the case blew up so much that J. Edgar Hoover himself was compelled to step up and run the investigation. Mm, That old chestnut. That old chestnut. (laughs) That old ball sack. That old literal ball sack. (laughs) They'd had a lead in the case in the form of an anonymous phone call that claimed Alice could be found at Robinson's camp at Menemsha, which is a harbor on Martha's Vineyard. A massive police detail arrived to comb the area and found absolutely nothing. They determined this was a false lead. And, like, it wasn't clear to me if they were, like, some of her remains, her as a person, some of her items. Like, I don't know exactly what this phone call, but she, this tip. It's not like they had a home on Martha's Vineyard. She was She went missing from Long Island, and then they got a tip. That there was some connection to this yep. camp outside Mar- of Martha's. Martha's. Yeah. It's, it's on Martha's Vineyard. On it's Martha's on Vineyard. the island. So they're like, mm, this could be her. Okay. So they comb the area. They find nothing. And they determine that this is a false lead. Because like it sounds like the tip alluded to something very specific, whether it's her physical person or something relating to her physical person in this specific spot. And there's nothing there. So they were like, mm-hmm. fuck this. Now the story of Alice Parsons is wild, but this woman who washed ashore was not Alice. Oh, shocking. I I will be flagging that case for another episode because it is bonks and I want to cover it. Well, how interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another woman who had gone missing in Providence, Rhode Island, was considered a potential match for the body as well. But alas, this was also not the case. One item collected off the body kept intriguing investigators. And all of this happened over the course of like four days. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this was going dragging on and on. Got but they had found a wedding ring with the inscription RBS to EHN, February 14th, 1916. Valentine's Just Day. Engrave all your jewelry. Seriously. Engrave this it. Is, engrave it. This is literally you how they You never know when it will be evident. Right. This, I mean, this is how they were able to identify her. Otherwise, I don't know if they ever fucking would have. That's yeah. so wild. Eventually, these initials connected to another missing socialite, Ellen Shackelford, formerly Nicholson. So Everyone's E-H-N. a socialite. I know. Well, God. it was women in the 30s. Yeah, any rich yeah. woman Yeah, they're at not the allowed time, to work. Yeah, their only career path was socialite. Yep. That would be awful. So imagine I'm not I, suited. No. I don't I'm social like and I don't want to do it. leaving my house. No. Mm. The I'd obligations. Be a immediately. Oh, I would be burned at the stake like for being accused of witchcraft in the 30s. Straight to spinster. Infamous recluse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ken Yorlerg. A Kennedy. <laughs> Gray Gardens. Gardens. <laughs> Big Edie right here. Gray rooted gardens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so her ex-husband, Randolph B. Shackelford, RBS, 
arrived in Martha's Vineyard and identified his ex-wife. So he came to the vineyard with Ellen's brother. He, the police were like, hey, dude, you don't want to look at this body. Mm. So, like, we need you to identify some of her belongings Mm. to confirm that it's her, but... This you, can't be your last memory of your loved one. Yeah, and Randolph was your like, ex-wife. Right. But they, you know, they had a child together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get yeah, it. So he, he was, yeah, he was like. a total stranger like that would be right. traumatizing. And let he was alone like, someone cool, you know. I won't look. And the brother, God bless him, was like, I'll look and make sure it's my sister. But she was such a wreck. And at this point, she had decomposed considerably. And she'd in been the in the water. water for God only knows how long. It was, no. like, impossible to actually ID her from looking oh, at her. Oh, God. I can't imagine. But she was I mean, wearing, I can she was wearing I this ring. And right. the husband's, the ex-husband was like, that's the ring. She had another ring on that he was like, yes, that's hers. And that's like our the wedding f- date or something. Yeah, that's our wedding date. And the few clothing items that remained, he was able to identify. So, like, this was her. There's no doubt. The middle initials Jesus. really help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ellen was a bit of a baddie, as the TikTok folks would say. The two of them were married in 1916. So I guess it wasn't their wedding date. It was probably like, oh, no, it was their wedding date. JK, I got February 14 in 1916 mixed up because I'm drunk. (laughs) So they were married in 1916. Ellen settling into her new wealth as the wife of a successful Philadelphia businessman. I could do that. I could definitely settle into my new wealth. Yes, I could. (laughs) I am still waiting. I I am Ready? I'm available. My partner is a freelance <laughs> photographer. So my partner is, is an teacher. educator. Yeah. Yeah. Was a teacher. Yeah. Mine so. is a cook. We're nailing it. Start a podcast, everybody. <laughs> so the two had a daughter together. The fairy tale ended in 1931 when Randolph and Ellen got divorced and the socialite went on a bit of a bender. Get it. Yes, you do. As you do. Well, uh, yeah, little, little socialite bender Get moment. yours, Ellen. That's what I'm saying. She was arrested in Atlantic City for drunk driving, which is a no-no. Don't, Don't do, do that. that. And then again in Philadelphia after she was in a car accident and police found a half pint of whiskey in her handbag. Okay, Ellen, oh. if you have money, just hire a driver and then you can drink as much as you want, girlfriend. Well, <laughs> whether or not she, she have had money, money mm. is... Kind of up for debate. The husband divorced. had money. Yeah. And so, and I mean, we'll get to it. We won't get to like exactly how she lost all of the money, but like they're divorced and she doesn't it's have access to all of those funds anymore. It's the 30s. Yeah. So the Philadelphia Social Register banished her for being an embarrassment and she had lost everything, her <laughs> status, her marriage. And I'm pretty sure Randolph even had custody of their child. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she moved into a hotel in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and spent a couple years escaping it all with cruises to Italy and Russia. But she ran out of cash and owed bills at hotels in both Philly and New York. Her daughter, Suzanne, had been trying to contact her for weeks, and multiple unopened telegraphs were found at the hotel in Philadelphia where she had been staying. She had left the hotel, however, after they had threatened legal action against her for not paying for her stay. So she'd basically been kicked out. Yeah. And you should be able squatting. to just stay at hotels for, like, months, and then mm-hmm. eventually they'd kick you out. Right. But and you could then, have a good run. 
Yeah, and they <laughs> investigators are like, you can't have a have good a run. I mean, sweet run. Honestly, even now, like <laughs> you don't you don't necessarily get charged until you leave. So like, <laughs> well, just cancel yeah. that credit card on your last day. Well, yeah, happens. you can't oh do that very God. often. What? <laughs> can't just cancel credit cards cancel very often without credit card on your. Last I mean, you day. super could. It got stolen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I do not approve of these charges. By a, nudge, by a different bitch with blue hair. I don't yeah, I, a lot of people have fucking blue hair. I wasn't and there. I was not there. Prove it. Why are you getting will, involved, J. Edgar Hoover? You two will fucking vouch for me. <laughs> Fuck off, J. Edgar Hoover. You're dead. She was with me. Stop Thank inserting you. yourself, J. Edgar Hoover. We were doing puzzles. <laughs> Okay, what well, we were. Find your fucking own. <laughs> Stay in your fucking lane. Stay so your fucking lane. now that they put knew it in the burn she, book, put in the book, put honey, put it in the burn book. J. Edgar has a whole chapter. I oh. we are definitely putting J. Edgar Hoover in the fucking burn book. Fuck yeah. that guy. <laughs> anyway, God, I haven't been I haven't been this drunk since K-pop. So this I've is only fun. had two and a half K-pop. glasses of wine. You guys, I am lit. Exhausted. I busted my dry January, that's for sure. <laughs> Exhausted <laughs> and drunk. And I have Taco Bell all root. All root. So, okay. now that they knew who she was, investigators began building a timeline of events leading up to her being found on the beach. This case is such a mystery. Like, I just fucking love it. On October 30th, her father was hit by a car, oops, and ended up in the hospital in Delaware with a fractured hip. And Tom confronted the burglar. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait. So, yeah, I have been under a lot of stress. Wait. I've been under a lot of stress. I'm looking up the exact (laughs) quote. And then. I ordered a t-shirt up. I have a journal, but it's upstairs. Erica Jane stress story. (laughs) Quote. Here it is. Tom's house was broken into and he confronted the burglar and then he had to go have eye surgery and then my son had to go over and help and then my son, he rolled his car five times on the way home. Yeah, I'm under a lot of stress. <laughs> I love it on that like beaded necklace that's like guys, 20 the, layers The deep. fucking in this house we believe that Tom's house was broken I'm, into I'm and he confronted my- the burglar. In this house, we believe. I ordered a T-shirt off oh my Etsy God. that says it. Oh, it's a download. You it's guys, a five dollar download. Download I, it and then just have it printed and support your local print shop. <laughs> yeah. Who's my local? Who's my local? You print can have shop. it printed here in Minneapolis at Minuteman Press, <laughs> or you can just fucking take it to a FedEx Kinkos. I'm just hey, Corey it. Hillman printed it all colors. LLC. You could it's send owned. it to her. Okay, so on October 30th, father was hit by a car. And he confronted the burglar, and then her son had to go and help, and then her son, he rolled his car five times. Five times. The father was in the hospital with a fractured hip. And eye surgery. And and then he had to have eye surgery. (laughs) He was in the hospital with eye surgery. With eye surgery and a fractured (laughs) hip. Ellen went to visit him there and spent a couple of days leaving without paying the bill for her hotel in Delaware. Big pattern. But her brother claimed that she was, quote, in good spirits when she left. Drunk, no- <laughs> drunk, probably. On November, but like who she was loaded. I, oh, I, love I don't her. know. I don't love. I don't condone driving the drunk. Club. But no. like Ellen, honey had demons. 
She's trying to figure it out. It's the She's trying 30s. to figure out her life. Cars went like 15 miles an hour. She's a... F- <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. We do not get down drunk driving. They ran on corn syrup. Let's be honest. We I all fucking know, wish that would be more economical than We all know that Matthew from Downton Abbey died in a car accident and it was like 1918. Okay, so it's fine. Well, yeah, in the 30s, they, like, didn't have seatbelts, and you were just, like, in a buggy with a They didn't with, like, have, a like, cloth roofs. Top. Yeah. It was, like, it was, like not a even draped, a windshield. It was, like, a draped it won, it won sheet. It's not great. It was, like, a Tommy gun attached to the side. It's <laughs> That's ridiculous. The horn. It was That's powered the horn. by cannon. It's the horn. <laughs> <laughs> you literally just put gunpowder in the fucking exhaust gunpowder pipe and then shot as far as you could straight. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. They're just Flintstone feet. You guys. None of this is funny. Okay. On November 1st, a pocketbook seemingly belonging to Alan, because it had the initials in there. Yep. And the was, date. Yeah, oh, well, no. no, the pocketbook, not the ring. Okay. The pocketbook. We we fucking monogram everything in the when 30s, When you say okay? pocketbook, are you talking like a about a wallet or a full purse? Because I think pocketbook a- means different things. Yeah. It really does, and I don't know in this case. Specific- I'm picturing wallet. I think it's a wallet, but it also could be, I don't know how involved wallets were. Like a rectangular were. bag with like a clutch. It could have been like a clutch. clutch. I'd imagine it's like a clutch. We'll split the difference, go with the clutch. <laughs> oh my God, I just burped. Okay. <laughs> you saw it hit. <laughs> you saw it hit. Subscribe to our Patreon. The pocketbook <laughs> contained a letter addressed to a hotel manager in Philly where Ellen had an outstanding bill where she'd been kicked out. <laughs> the letter was signed by Ellen and police claimed the letter, quote, hinted at suicide. So it's probably like, hey, hotel, I know you're taking legal action against me and that I owe you a lot of money, but Good I'm going to probably see you on the other side End my shit. Bye-bye. So, bye-bye. Good luck. You're not going to find me. I'm going to check out permanently. Yeah. Mm. Dunstan checks out. But I don't have a copy of the letter, so I actually can't, like, specifically verify that. But I have to imagine that's uh, that's almost verbatim what it said. I can't think about a chimpanzee in this context. You can't? A chimp with a pocketbook? Writing letters to hotels in Philly. But I shouldn't because it's really dark and inappropriate. She's checked out. But they couldn't check out. But they couldn't figure out exactly how the packet book made its way on board the steamship. So they find it on this steamship that goes back and forth from Providence, Rhode Island to New York. It's like a commuter ship. And they're like, what the fuck? She's not on the passenger roster for the last. Yeah, it's like a ferry. She's out on the passenger roster for the past, you know, two weeks that we're trying to establish this timeline. And nobody on the boat had seen her. Like, no one could confirm that she'd been there. No so, chimpanzees well, on this ferry. No chimpanzees. Just her pocketbook. Well, had the pocketbook been stolen by her murderer and left Ooh. on Bart? Oh. We may never know for sure. We also may never know what happened in the two weeks between October 30th, when she was last seen by family, and November 14th, when she was discovered in Martha's Vineyard. Special thanks. (laughs) Special thanks. I mean, almost, but we got a little more. 
Her body was certainly battered by the sea and decomposed, but not to an extent that would suggest that she was in the water for that length of time. Oh. So here's what I think, and we Mm. will speculate. I think she did ride the ferry, possibly under a pseudonym Mm. and like with a headscarf on. Mm -hmm. Because like, who's fucking in the 30s paying attention to like a woman? Like a well, white, literally woman. no one. Literally, you could do the least, and right. it would be a disguise, and you That's could change your name. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, like, maybe yeah. she just fucking left her pocketbook there as a hint, and or then a, on accident, or by accident, it went on with her life. I don't know. Well, okay. Question though, what you just said. So she was decomposed, but they thought that it wasn't decomposed in the water for that long. Incorrect. Yes, for that long. They don't think she was in the water for two weeks, but they know so she was- So are they in- thinking that she partially decomposed on dry land and then was in the water? No, she's decomposed for X amount of days in the water, but not two or weeks worth of days. maybe she just hadn't been- Dead since Correct. the 30th. She had Correct. died more recently to so they November 14th. Exactly. They can't pinpoint like the day of death because A, it's the 30s. So forensics are like. Mm-hmm. And if she's like on the run because her name and whatever reputation she's not paying her bills, then it'd be hard to know her exact date of death. It wouldn't be her last date scene. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So like they know that she died and then was in the water for probably between three and five days, but she was not in the water for two weeks. Two weeks. Because she was at least in the water long enough to have been in that storm, which Mm -hmm. was which the storm hit on Friday and Manuel found her on Sunday morning. So she was. Oh, 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 So, like, she went into the water likely before the storm, but was Mm -hmm. probably in the water for at least three days. Got it. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. So, within a month, Boston medical examiner Dr. Timothy Leary concluded his secondary investigation of the remains. Timothy Leary? Timothy Leary. The LSD guy? Different guy. Well, different guy, but there was a note that I didn't include because I didn't care that said he was (laughs) directly related. To like so and so of that famous name. So maybe is that famous guy the LSD guy? 14% of all Irish men and American Irish men are named Timothy Leary. So it's fine. That's fair. But that is the LSD guy's name. But so Ellen, that's her name, was found. They did an autopsy. They removed a bunch of her organs so that they could continue to study her cause of death but allow the family to take, like, her corpse, like, her vessel to cremate and bury. The pillowcase. Yeah. So she'd already, her empty empty case had been handed back over (laughs) to the family. I just did my laundry. I'm sorry. I just finished my laundry. It's true. She's like a body (laughs) pillow, but empty. The case. Yes. So the medical examiner in Boston took her organs, okay? Okay. And he concluded, she thumbed it to Boston, the corpse. (laughs) And he concluded in his secondary investigation of the remains that there was salt in her heart's blood, quote-ish, which indicates drowning despite water not being present in the lungs. So I don't fucking know. It's the 30s. Who fucking knows? That doesn't. I've never heard that before. It sounds like there's ghosts in your blood do cocaine about it. It's weird. It's all right. 
But he declared the cause of death as, quote, asphyxia due to probable drowning with nothing to indicate homicide. And mm. the case was closed as an accidental death slash possible suicide, though neither her brother nor her ex-husband had any idea why she would take her own life. I feel now, like a lot of dudes in the 30s probably weren't prepared to be like, there's no, we don't know. Yeah. We can't yeah. tell. Yeah. They well, had to like make a call. And obviously the feelings Absolutely. and reactions of grieving loved ones are far from evidence. So even like the ex-husband and the brother being like, I just saw her. She seems she fine. fine. Yeah, we don't. How know. often do we fucking hear that? You know, in cases of suicide, which is super yeah. fucking sad. The truth is also that a lot of attempted and completed suicides are as a result of mounting debts and feeling like you've completely lost control of your life. Like that's pretty like family annihilators. This happens. Oh, yeah. Like it's a it's a it's thing. A, it's possible. I'm not saying one way or the other homicide or suicide or accident. I just wish that like the coroner had said undetermined. I know. Yeah. I know. They open. wanted they just wanted to fucking yeah. close it up. Right. Yeah. And this poor that woman was she was estranged from her husband and her child. She's bouncing from hotel to hotel without being able to afford it. Yeah. I think she's just trying to figure out how to fucking silence the chaos of her life and it all got a little bit out of hand. So it also I sounds like she had a drinking problem. So yes. an accident might be more likely, especially if, if she's like on a fucking boat. Yeah, under a yeah. under a different name if yeah. that's what she did. I, I that's kind of what I think happened. I don't think she fell off of the boat, that boat that her pocketbook was found on, but maybe she fucking did. But like it's I don't possible, know. It's possible that she got in you know, a risky situation with somebody else too. Any yeah. of these things are she's partying, absolutely she's having a good plausible. Time. They're like, yeah. let me take you out on my sailboat. Let me take you, you in know. my submarine. I built it myself. Accident, well, homicide, Natalie suicide, would. or like it. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty evenly get, split in terms yeah. of possibilities. I I really don't know. The only thing that's making me. What what's annoying is that I mean annoying, but also like I totally respect it. The transcript of whatever was in that letter to the Philadelphia hotel that quote hints at suicide was is not released. It's not available. Like right. I scoured newspapers.com. Right. It's not out there. So maybe I don't that, fucking maybe trust. that would be a slam dunk for maybe suicide. It would be. I don't know. But I also don't like trust the cops. Certainly no. not like 1930s cops. So I don't fucking know. I don't know. And you know how much I hate an unsolved case, but it just mm -hmm. is what it is. Mm -hmm. So that's my case. But I wanted to leave us with some fun facts about Martha's Vineyard, since this yes, is please. Vineyard Villains after all. We bookended <laughs> with fun facts about Martha's Vineyard, like every other true crime <laughs> like, podcast. Yes, because we are a true crime podcast. <laughs> There is no definitive source for the name Martha's Vineyard, but it is thought to be named for the mother-in-law or daughter, both named Martha, of the English explorer Bartholomew, Bartholomew Gosnold, who led the first recorded European expedition to Cape Cod in 1602. We copied also, and pasted from the same source. Wikipedia article. Yes, obviously. There also isn't a single vineyard on the island, but some reports indicate there were wild grapes growing on the island when it was first settled, thus Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Martha's Vineyard has a historically large deaf community. What? I bet it's genetic. 
weird is it like one out of every 155 residents of yeah. the 19th century roughly ba, 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 ba. Gonna just... do they make their own sign language yeah <laughs> exactly Martha's Vineyard was also Soup's Deaf a location where enslaved Africans were transported and sold to the US colonies so that's super not great not great but it was also a stop on the Underground Railroad so maybe they tried to have a little redemption round later I don't know Specifically, Edgartown Harbor was a stop on the Underground Railroad. One of my ancestors owned a tavern. I forget where. Maybe like Rhode Island, somewhere in the Northeast. Can whatever. you do my genealogy yes. soon? You got to give me some things to go off of and then I'll totally do it. Give me your spit. No, I don't need that. I need like four need names it. and birthdays and I'm good to go. But I need I your spit. <laughs> But anyway, but I need, he, I need, I your, need spit. your spit. He owned a tavern and a they believe spit. that it was a stop on the Underground Railroad. That's super cool. Send me your spit. <laughs> after being settled. After being settled, Martha's Vineyard was actually purchased by one wealthy fuck it. in 1641. Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. Ooh, in 1641, Martha Stewart dog bought it. Then Let's sold again in 1642 <laughs> and was considered part of New York until 1692. You don't say. Wow. Yeah. And this one is for Kenyan. <laughs> There isn't a single Starbucks on the island. You have to take a ferry or a plane to the mainland to access such luxuries. I couldn't survive. I need my mediocre, consistent, burnt coffee. You need, hold on, let's see if I can remember your order. You Mm. like a hat, mocha, no whip, two pumps. Mm -hmm. Oat milk. Oat milk. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was close. You were real. That's really good. That is pretty You're good. You're a matcha latte gal. Yeah, Amanda gets the matcha latte. And I'll take any milk, but my favorite is coconut. But mm-hmm. Lucy, there's also no McDonald's on Martha's Vineyard. Fuck. I know. I wonder <laughs> if they have a Taco Bell. No, I'm Googling it. I a need Taco my Taco Bell Martha's Vineyard. I get the shakes. I did recently try a <laughs> Without pistachio the latte um, at Starbucks. And while it was Evan dollars. It was good. Is there a Taco Bell on Martha's Vineyard? There technically is a Taco Bell on Martha's Vineyard. We'll do a show oh, there. It's in God. Oak Bluffs. Is it attached to a Pizza Hut? How big is Martha's Vineyard? It's like a hundred or ninety-nine square miles or something. It's pretty oh big. God. It's like that's, the biggest is that island. That big? No. Wait, hold on. That's not a Taco Bell. Martha's. Oh, it's pretty Vineyard. big. Bitch, I fucking researched Martha's Vineyard. It's 87.48 square miles. I was real close. Oh, it is pretty close to Providence. I have a lot of ancestors from Okay, uh, there's not a Taco Bell on Martha's Vineyard, but there are some taco spots on Martha's Vineyard. Little Compton, what up? Anyway, that's our show this week. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Y'all, I fucking nailed it. I liked it. Vineyard villains, man. It's a mystery. Sorry I gave away all the deafness. That's okay. It's very interesting. It's really fucking cool. I'm glad you covered it. I'm glad you covered it. I didn't think you'd touch Martha's Vineyard, so I was a little mad. And then I immediately forgot and didn't care anymore. As we've said several times, we covered 
a lot of wine-related shit in our March 2018 bonus episode crossover with And That's Why We Drink. So check it out. Check them out. We love them. They're amazing. Thank you for listening. We love Em and Christine. And we also love our fan picker, Jace or... Jackie. 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 Jake. Shock. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Shock. Jock. Jackie. Shock, Shock. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!